The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for your sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every good way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing of grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for everybody gathering here. Um, Lord, we pray over this service now and um, that you would speak through Tim, that people's hearts would be softened. We thank you for your presence here, Lord, and um, we thank you for just your faithfulness and blessings over this church um, and just bless the service today. Thank you. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, good morning. Welcome to Phoenix Bible Church. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you're new, uh, welcome for the first time. If you're not new, uh, welcome back. A couple weeks ago, we started a brief series on generosity. And what we said uh, was the bottom line is that your heart's affection determines your money's direction. Like your heart's affection determines your money's direction. So what's important to you, what captivates your heart at a deep level that works itself out into your hands, it works itself out into your time, your talent, and your treasure, and it does this in all aspects of life. And so even if you're here today and you would say, I'm new to this church thing, I'm not a Christian, somebody brought me, I heard about this thing, and I, and I came into this, you've seen this to be true in your life. And I think a good example of this is like when I remember trying to buy my wife a wedding ring and thinking about proposing to my wife and all that that would entail and deciding she's the one, right? Out of all the other girls, not that I could have all the other girls, but this is the one, right? And with that comes, I need to, I need to buy a ring. And so I discovered something profound, and it was a website called BlueNile.com. So if you're getting ready to buy a ring, any of you guys out there, good resource, BlueNile.com. You can build your own ring any way you want it. And I began to saturate my brain with stuff I had never thought about before, like information of cut, color, clarity. I never knew what those terms meant before. I began to be an expert on those terms because of BlueNile.com. And I began to think of phrases like, I clean which means a, a diamond that's flawless. And I began to look at that and look at those rings, and I began to look at that website and think, that's what I'm getting. Nothing, the best, for, nothing, nothing but the best for my baby. And I did. I got kind of stumbled in my words because I thought, I'm going to get the flawless, like nothing but the best for her. I'm going to get that. And so I began to build that ring, put it together, the cut, the color, the clarity. 
make sure it was flawless. I add it to the cart, and some shortness of breath came over me. Some tightness in my chest came over me because I realized in that moment I had never spent that much money in my life. I realized in that moment I had never seen that much money in my life. And so I began to freak out a little bit about, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to accomplish this? I love this girl, but I don't know if I love this price of the rink. And I began to have that moment, and maybe, men, you've experienced that moment as well. And you know what I didn't do in that moment? I didn't consider the price of the ring and think, well, <laughs> that girl is really great. I think she was the one. But just too expensive, right? I'm just going to have to move on with other goals in life. Marriage is not going to be one of them because that ring is just too pricey. Is that what I did? No, right? Definitely not, right? I, first of all, I, I didn't buy the flawless, right? So I, I set a more reasonable goal as far as the ring I was going to buy. I went to a jewelry store and got off BlueNile.com and just my obsession with the flawless. And I, I found a more reasonable ring that I could buy. And then I made some changes in my life, right? So I worked more hours. I, I sold stuff. I asked for donations, <laughs> right? I did whatever I could. I adjusted my life. I ate beans and rice like every meal so that I could buy this ring, so that I could marry this girl, right? That's what I did. Why? Because she had captivated my heart's affection, and that directed where my money was going to go. So it means some adjustment, some sacrifice, so that I can give towards this, because it mattered to me a lot, right? And so you've seen this in your own life, and maybe it was that ring, maybe it was your first house, maybe it's your savings account, maybe it's a cause that you believe in, and you say, hey, listen, we're going to maneuver some things, and we're going to give to this cause because it's a really big Deal. I don't know what that is for you, but I imagine you've experienced that in some avenue of your life where your heart's affection determines your money's direction. We all have, whether you're a believer, whether you know God, or you don't. And what we see in the Bible is not just how to redirect our giving. I want you to see that as you read scripture. It's not just, well, we spend money on entertainment, we buy rings, we spend money on food, we save for houses, redirect all that and give it to God and people. It's not just that simple. It's bigger than that. What God is calling you and I to this morning and what we see in Scripture is a lifestyle of generosity, right? It's not just a redirecting of our giving or give 10%. You've heard that before. It's not just those things. It's a lifestyle of generosity. It's bigger than we can even think or imagine. That's what God is calling us to. And the reality is, as I look across this room, as I know my own heart and life, that's a process we have to get to. That's a process we have to go through where we're taught that kind of generosity. Most of us, it doesn't come natural. And so that's what we're doing in this series. That's what we're continuing in this series in 2 Corinthians 9. Savannah just read it, uh, but I want you to look at the verses with us. The first part of the passage, uh, verses 6 through 10, we see this, that generosity connects us to God. 
So as we think about a lifestyle of generosity, what that produces is a connection with God. Verse 6, look at the verse. You see this idea of sowing and reaping and the correlation between the two. Uh, So I feel like I have to give this disclaimer. Paul is not saying give and you'll get rich. Some, Some people, some theologians, some people on TV will kind of twist verses like this and say, see, more seeds, more harvest, you give, and somehow you'll get rich. You guys have heard this before, right? Okay. Um, so here's the problem with that is, and I, I like to do this when I watch a televangelist and, and they're offering those kind of, of interesting things, is what if, what if I called them up and said, hey, how about we flip this? How about we reverse this? And you guys give me money, send me a check, and we'll just see what happens, Right? We'll see if you get rich or not. And we'll just take that leap together. Why don't we do that? That's not the way it works, is it? No, it's always the other way around somehow, right? And so Paul is not, uh, he's not perpetuating that concept, that give and you'll get rich. That's, that's not biblical. Do you see that? But there is a principle of seeds planted equals a greater harvest. And I don't know a lot about gardening, uh, but I asked around, went to the experts, and apparently this is true, right? More seeds planted, more things grow. We see that in gardening, we see that in life. And it's true in the church, right? It's true in all of life. Uh, as we look at how much we give of our finances and resources, the more we do that, the more we plant those seeds, the greater the impact, right? And so we've seen this in our church. So some of you don't know our story. If you're new, we can talk about it later. But we started this church, and we had zero money. And some people think I exaggerate when I say that, but literally, there was no money. Uh, We started in kind of a crazy way, and all the money went to another uh, church network. And we started this independent church with no money. So we asked you guys to give, to give one-time gifts, to commit to give monthly. We asked other churches and people to give, to be a part of this new church getting started. And over a year later, that's happened, right? Our church and people in our church, you guys have planted seeds and we've seen harvest. You're experiencing the harvest right now where you're sitting. This place that we get to meet in is part of that harvest. This location in downtown Phoenix, which is central on 7th Street, right down the street from ASU downtown, in a great, great area with stage and lighting and seats. This is the harvest, part of the harvest, that we have a place to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as Phoenix Bible Church in this city for his glory and our joy. If you've been a part of our church, I hope you see that. I hope you know that we could be in a gym setting up all these chairs, that we could be pulling a trailer. Like, I want you to to think about and be grateful for the harvest we've experienced and grateful for how you have given how so many people have been generous to plant seeds, and we see a harvest. And so there's people that love Jesus, that are living like Jesus, and that are leading others to Jesus in downtown Phoenix, in this greater valley, because of the sows, the seeds sown uh, through this church. We need to see that. We need to be grateful for that. But the reality is, the more that we see those seeds planted, the greater impact that we can have. And so we're a new church, 
So the more that we sow those seeds, the more that we give, the more ministry development we can see, the more we can think about hiring pastors and staff and, and paying our current staff who volunteer so much of their time to have more time to care for people and to grow the kingdom of God. And so we want to see more seeds planted so we see more harvest grown, right? We want to see more seeds planted so we can have a place to meet. And this place is fantastic, but a place to meet during the week, like a, a communal space where we can have trainings and meetings and an office space and all those things. And, and we're growing in that direction, but we want to see more of that because the more seeds planted, the greater impact we can have as a church. We can start giving to missionaries, church planning, and that's where we want to go. That's part of the reason, not all the reason, why we're going through this series is to talk about what that looks like. So just really practically, the more we give, the greater impact we can have. Verse 7, look at that verse. Paul answers a couple questions for us. What should I give and why should I give? First off, Paul says that we should decide in our hearts how much we should give. And so here's the reality. Generosity is a decision you make. It's not something you drift into, right? It's a decision you make, not something you just drift into. And so as you think about your life, I would imagine that most of you consider yourselves generous. Like even in your head, you think about the, the greedy people who buy lots of cars and MTV cribs, right, and have lots of businesses and vacation homes. Like, man, those people are greedy. I'm generous, right? And a lot of times we think that, and a lot of us are generous. But a lot of times we think we're more generous than we are. And so when we see needs, we think like, man, I care about those needs. When we see people, we think, I care about those people. When we hear the Sarah McLaughlin song, like, I will remember. You know, like, when that song comes on, we get a little choked up inside, right? We think, I care about those puppies. Somebody needs to adopt those puppies. You do this, right? And we're considering ourselves generous. Like, in our heads, we're generous. And listen, I do this. Um, there's a, a couple that uh, we've been friends with for a really long time, and they planted a church in Michigan. And we love them. They're probably some of our favorite people on the face of this planet. Their heart for Jesus, their heart for others. They moved from Texas and parachuted in to plant a church in Michigan. And we love them. And every time we think about them, we're thankful for them. We talk about them all the time and the difference they've made in our lives. And in our heads, we kind of think we're generous with them. We kind of think that that thought of being generous, that feeling, that emotion, that getting choked up feeling, we kind of think that's, that's directing itself with our, with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. But the reality is it doesn't always do that. And so my wife and I, honestly, through this series, it was kind of convicting. Like, man, we talk about them all the time. We care about what God's doing. Our heart's affection is for them. But I don't know that it's affected our money's direction. I don't know that it's played itself out in our hands and, and how we relay that to them. And so we had to make a decision to give, right? We didn't just drift into it. So the other night, we pulled up the computer I get his newsletters, I pulled up their website, and I decided, like, here's how much money we have, here's how much money we can allot to this, and we're going to give. And we made a decision in our hearts to give. So not just thinking about being generous, but actually making a decision, because you won't drift into it. 
All of us get in those places where we think and we consider ourselves generous, but it's not being revealed in the work of our hands. It's not being reflected in our bank account. It's not being reflected with our, our time and our talent. And so as you think about being generous this morning, is it just something you think about? Have you decided for me and my friends, for me and my roommates, for me and my spouse, this is what it looks like for us to live a lifestyle of generosity? Have you come to that place where you've decided in your heart? Paul is saying that's how it works. We decide in our heart how to give. And then verses 7 through 8, look at those verses. We do it begrudgingly, out of compulsion? No. We do it how? Cheerfully. We do it cheerfully. And this is not something we usually think about in our culture, right? We don't think about giving cheerfully. We think about, and maybe you've had those experiences where you give because you think you're supposed to. Because you give because those puppies do look sick and that somebody needs to do this because you feel bad, right? But Paul is talking about a different economy, a different paradigm that generosity is something we do cheerfully. How do we do that? God's grace abounds in our life as we live like this. That he says God makes you sufficient. A big issue for a lot of us of why we're not generous is we think, I just don't, I just don't have enough. Like if I were to get that raise, if I were to get more money, if we had more, if we were in a better season of life, well, then we would be generous. And what this scripture teaches is that you are generous and God provides. You see that? You're generous. God makes you sufficient in everything you need. That God does that. That we lean on him. And so generosity connects us with God. Generosity connects us with God. It forces us to rely upon God. It forces us to have a desperation for God, even in tangible things like our finances. And so, listen, this morning, if you were to say, like, you know, just in general in my spiritual life, if I asked you how your relationship with God was going, you were just to say, you know what, it's kind of a dry season for me, if I'm honest. That maybe when we were singing those songs about your heart, God, your glory, God, is what I'm longing for. That maybe when we sing those songs, if you're honest, you don't feel that. You don't feel a longing, a desperation for God in your life. Some of you might say that. Some of you, when you read the Psalms and you see David crying out to God in desperation, you read that and you think, what would that even be like? Because I've never experienced it. If you were to say that, if you're in that place this morning, and I imagine there's a lot of us who are, that we're not desperately longing for our creator, for intimacy with him, for provision from him. If you're in that place, could it be that you're not living a life of generosity? Could it be that you're not extending your time, talent, and treasure outward to other people where you have to go to God and say, God, I'm stretched with my time. I'm stretching out my talent for the kingdom of God. I'm in places where I'm vulnerable, not just financially, not just with my bank account, but in my life. I'm in places where I'm investing in the kingdom of God. I'm extending myself out for the mission of God. And so therefore, I, I do long for your glory in my life. Therefore, I do needs you every hour, every minute, every second. Could it be that if you're not experiencing that desperation, that longing for God, 
that you're not extending yourself out for the kingdom of God. In the way that we see in scripture, in the way that Paul describes, we are forced to call upon God for his provision in our lives. I, I was around a pastor who uh, just spoke a lot of frank things in my life along the way. and was a mentor of mine. And one of my favorite things he said that I don't repeat a lot because it can be taken the wrong way. Um, but one thing he said that I just love and I hang on to personally is you should always be putting yourselves, putting yourself in places where you have to trust God. And if you don't, you'll look stupid. <laughs> Put yourself in places where you have to trust God, and if you don't, you're going to look stupid. Now, for me, that works. Maybe that's not helpful for you, but for me, that works. In other words, it means that I need to be extending my time, my talent, my treasure for the glory of God and putting myself out there. And if God doesn't show up, man, I'm not going to look awesome. Like, if I'm up and I'm out reaching out to people in my neighborhood and being generous with my time and talking to them about Jesus and giving of different things to bless people. And if I'm not trusting God in that, he's not showing up, that's, that's going to be kind of awkward. That I need to be finding myself in those places where I'm forced to trust God, where God has to show up. Are you in that place in your life? Are you in that place where you have to rely upon God's provision? We need to get to that place. We need to be generous. But we also need to be wise. And so listen, don't take this and be like, well, I guess Pastor Tim said we got to empty out the bank account. we got to sell our house and be homeless and we just wait for God to shower his blessings. Don't do that, right? Keep your job. Keep your bank account. Keep your house. But figure out ways that you can make changes in your life to where you're forced to trust God for his provision, for his heart in your life, to be experiencing that in your life? Are you in that place? How can you get to that place? Verse 9 quotes an Old Testament passage that talks about the evidence of righteousness that we see in our lives when we are generous, that we exhibit righteousness when we live like this. Verse 10, that God supplies the seed that we talked about earlier. He multiplies the seed so we can plant it. So in other words, God gives you what you give. You see that? God gives you what you're able to give, that it's all his, that the seed you're able to plant, that the seed we're able to plant as a church, the harvest we're able to see, that it all comes from God. It's all his. That's the biblical concept of stewardship that we see in the Bible. So we're not owners of anything. We're stewards. God has given us everything, and we give out of that. And so I think about uh, my six-month-old baby, She's just now learning how to almost crawl, right? She's getting to that point where she's kind of rolling around. She's kind of, she's got her head up fully, right? So the neck's getting stronger. And she's getting to a place where she can almost crawl. Now, she's our third kid, and that's much faster than our previous two children. So she's beating them to the punch. Do you see that? Not that it's a competition, but... She is. She's getting closer, and we're like, wow, I don't think our other kids were close at this point at six months. But, but Tanavi, she, she is. Now, in that moment where we realize that, my wife and I realize that, what we don't do is say, man, she's really killing it. <laughs> she's really put in a lot of hard work to get to this point. The other two kids, kind of lazy. But Tanavi, man, she was an overachiever. 
Six months old, she just disciplined herself, healthy habits, ate good breakfast, and all that commitment's paying off. She's about to crawl before the other two kids. They were kind of slackers. That's not how we speak about our kids, is it? Why? Because she's six months old. She can't do anything, right? Any ability she has to crawl, drink a bottle, is God-given, right? God created her that way. God designed her to crawl a little bit earlier. God designed her other kids to crawl a little bit later. Do you see what I'm saying here? That everything they have is given to them. They're not owners of it. They're stewards of it. That God has designed them. And so in our lives, God has created you. And you say, well, no, 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 Tim, you don't understand. Like, I work a lot of hours, 60-hour week. Like, I put a lot into my career. I've got a lot of talent that I've honed over the years. Like, I, I did that. I am an owner of my house. Like, I, I'm, I got a 30-year mortgage, but I'm owning my house. One day it's going to happen. And I would say to you, who gave you the talent to do your job? Who gave you the energy to work those 60 hours? Who gave you the ability to work and provide for your family so you can buy a house? God, right? So as you look at your life, as you look at your things, as you look at your achievements, we need to see ourselves as stewards, not owners. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Like Just in case you're wondering, well, what about this? Everything in it. Everything in your life is God's and we're stewards of it. So generosity connects us with a generous God who has given us everything. And when we're generous, we begin to model his heart to those around us. And that leads us to our next point. Generosity connects us to others. You see it in verses 11 through 15. Uh, Verses 11 through 13, you see that generosity connects you to others and that it results in others giving thanksgiving to God. People glorifying God because you give generously. That basically the the Corinthians were giving to get the gospel out, and the recipients of that gift were now thankful to God. Before they weren't, but now they are. Before they weren't glorifying God, but now they're glorifying God because of the Corinthians' gift, because the Corinthians were generous to these people. And so it's connecting them with an entirely different group of people, and it's producing thanksgiving and glorification of God. Verse 14, there's a bond that's created. Look at that verse. It says that they long for the Corinthians. They pray for the Corinthians. Because of this generosity, because of this gift that they've been given, there's a bond created between these two groups of people. Verse 15, again, it all comes from God. It's his inexpressible gift. Paul recognizes that God brought this about. The generosity is flowing through the body of Christ. And as that happens, there's other people that are glorifying God that the Corinthians are able to edify others and they're able to receive a benefit themselves from this outworking of God's generosity that's his inexpressible gift that they receive and they give out of. And we've seen this in our church. I said earlier, we're a new church, a little over a year old. People have been generous so that we can be here and have an impact in this city and this area for Jesus. And so we've done a couple times a a mailer that we sent out in the city just to let people know, hey, this is who we are. This is what's coming up in our church. And there's just, there's several stories of this, but there's one specific story of this where somebody got this mailer. They weren't going to church at the time, weren't connected to a church. They came to our church 
just to check it out and see what it was about. That was, I think, about nine months ago. Through that experience, through being able to send out a mailer, through having people in a, in a place to meet and proclaim the gospel, for them to enter into that, nine months later, their story is we're connected to a community group because they're in one, and they've never been in one before as a family. They're learning about Jesus in ways they haven't before. They're, they're communicating that to me of just how God is working through the messiness of their lives and bringing them closer and closer to himself, connecting them to others. And their story is, one day I got this mailer, Phoenix Bible Church, in the neighborhood. And I thought, I'll go check that out. And they overcame some stuff to visit on a Sunday. And the outworking of that is thanksgiving to God, glorifying God because of your generosity, because of our generosity as a church. There's um, a family in our church who they have an incredible story as well. Um, They heard about this new church getting started, and they thought, like, why would we do that? Uh, Why couldn't we just go to another church that was more established? But they thought, oh, we'll try this new church thing out. Our church experience hasn't been great, so we'll try this new thing out. And they came, and they talked about how they had never heard the love of God in this way before, that the only thing they had heard in their church experience was judgment. And they began to, to come to our church. And to this day, they're involved in our community, connected to our people, investing into the lives of others. And that's their story, and there's so many other stories like that. I've told you guys this, but we've given away Bibles uh, to the lady that helps run the show here and the facilities here. She's given other people Bibles, and she's come to me and said, Pastor Tim, I've never read my Bible before. This isn't routine in my life. This is something I've just started doing. She's going to one of our groups and talking about Scripture, and she's never done that before, and it's the outworking of generosity. The outworking of generosity is a thanksgiving to God, a glorifying God. It connects us with other people. Do you see that? So generosity connects us with God. It connects us with others. We've seen that in our church. There's a guy that works next to me. I have a workspace now uh, for our church, which is, again, an evidence of our generosity as a church. It's like a co-working space. Um, and so there's a guy, there's a lot of desks open, but there's a guy who sits right next to me. And I don't know how that happened, but uh, all these open desks, and he planted right next to me. Um, And so we got to talking about what I do and what he does, and I started showing him our church. We have computers out, so I'm like, here's our church website, here's kind of what we're about as a church. And it blew his mind, uh, because his only church experience was just kind of showing up and going through some rituals when he was a kid. And he was like, he just looked at me kind of confused. He was like, man, you guys really take this church thing seriously. You guys are really like on the up and up with this church thing. Like this is a really big deal to you. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, we believe in Jesus. We believe he's changed us and we want to see that happen with others. And so, yeah, we put together, he was amazed at our graphics. So good job, Nathan. Uh, he was just like, wow, you guys put a lot of time and, and effort into this thing. And I was like, yeah, man, we, we want to see people come on Sundays. And so you should come on Sundays uh, and find out what it's like. We want to see people live this out during the week. That, yeah, we really care about this thing because it leads to lives changed by the gospel, thanksgiving to God. And that's what we see in this passage. That's what we see in our lives. As I think about our church, and I had some time to do that uh, this past weekend, 
my wife and I went to a conference, and I just had a lot of time to think about our church. Not in our church, but on our church, and think about where we are, where we want to go. And I couldn't help but see just what God was doing in the world, what God's doing in our city, and to know that there are people in this neighborhood, there are people in this city, there are people in this greater area of the valley who are going to be celebrating next to us in heaven that we don't even know yet. Do you ever think about that? There's people here that we know, and we're going to be celebrating with one another. But do you know that there are people that aren't with us today that you don't even know their names, you don't know their stories yet, and they're going to be celebrating with us in heaven because of Jesus Christ and how he's moved in their life and how he's captivated their heart, and we don't even know them yet. Does that cause a burning in your heart? Does that cause a change in the way you use your hands and the way you use your money? Does that cause a difference in your life when you think about that? There's people that are going to join the kingdom of God in and through and around Phoenix Bible Church because of our generosity. I want to be a part of that. Do you? I want to be a part of that. I want to contribute, change things in our lives, contribute time, talent, and treasure to see those people, to learn their names, to hear their stories. So that six months from now, a year from now, when we celebrate our second anniversary, that those people who aren't even in this room yet are standing on this stage giving testimony of what God has done in their lives. I want to see that happen. Together we can see that happen if we live generously. We're a, a new church. Um, we're kind of a baby church. And so it's, it's a little messy, right? It's a little messy. Like we, we have to set up and tear down on a Sunday. Uh, there's people that get sick. There's conflict that occurs. And that's messy in, in any realm of life, in any church. But, but it's a little bit messier when your church is a year old, right? And you don't have a full staff. You don't have a, a building. So it's a little bit messy. But listen, it's beautiful, so we're a baby church. It's just like a beautiful, messy baby, right? If you've ever been around a baby, you know that they're a little messy. Right? They soil their diaper. They cry. They're a little wobbly. They don't know how to walk yet. They don't have full understanding. You're like, hey, don't touch that. And you're just like, wah. Like babies are a little messy. But babies are also beautiful, right? Like how... You never see a, a baby that's not beautiful, right? That babies are, are messy, and, and we have them, and you see other babies, and you're like, it's so messy, but so cute, right? So beautiful, and as is the church plant. And that's what we are. We're a church that's a year in. So if you're new with us, that's what you're invited into, a messy, beautiful thing where we're hoping and praying and dreaming for God to be glorified, for others to be edified, and for us to be benefited by this beautiful, messy picture of the local church. That that's what we're experiencing. That's what we want to experience more of through our generosity. And so the question that I would want you to ask this morning is, am I participating in that? A lot of you are. But you just need to ask, am I participating in that? Do I feel the weight of that? Do I see the beauty in that? Or is church just something I come and attend and consume? Are you participating? 
not just observing, but are you participating in this beautiful mess called the local church through your generosity? I have a friend in the valley, he's an older pastor, who said this, and maybe he got it from somewhere else, but I love this quote. He says, everybody is about the kingdom until it affects your own. That everybody is about the kingdom until it affects your own. That's convicting, right? That I see that in my life. I'm about the kingdom as long as it doesn't affect my schedule. I'm about the kingdom as long as it doesn't affect my finances. I'm about the kingdom as long as it doesn't affect my reputation. It's a convicting thing to realize. And so we need to be a place where we ask, what kingdom are we investing in? Ours or God's? There's only one that will never fade. It's God's. I said it a couple weeks ago, but the only two things that last forever are the words of God and the souls of men. That's the only two things. What are we investing in? What are we pouring out our lives for, extending ourselves for? We need to ask ourselves that question, as convicting as it is. And so we're concluding this series. It was a two-week series. We don't talk about money and finances and resources a lot, but there needs to be a time that we do. And so if you're new with us and you're wondering, like, man, this church is really wanting my money. No, this is the first time I think we've ever talked about this uh, in a year of being a church. We'll have a rhythm where we do that more. Honestly, we need to do that better. Uh, I need to do that better. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us, and so we need to talk about it. So if you're new, welcome. Come back next week. I promise it won't be part three of generosity. Um, But as we concluded, I want to just go over some principles that we've learned. If you are taking notes, write these down. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we went through 8 last uh, two weeks ago, today 9. What we've seen is that generous giving is sacrificial. So generous giving is sacrificial. Generous giving must be taught. Few people do this naturally. We need to be taught how to live a lifestyle of generosity. It's been the case for me in my life. I'm sure it's been in yours. Generous giving is one of many evidences that you have encountered our generous God, that the two things are directly linked together. That when we see a generous God, we live out that generosity. Why does this matter? I mean, why are we going through this series? Why does it matter to talk about our resources and finances and our generosity? It matters because generosity is critical to the health and advancement advancement and mission of the church. It's critical to the health and advancement of the mission of the church. That radical generosity shows the giving nature of God. It puzzles the world and is evangelistically powerful to a world that worships money. Do you see that? That this attitude of generosity, this is unique. This is unique to Christians. It should be unique to Christians. We should exhibit this because when we do, it puzzles the world. And it's evangelistically powerful to a world that worships money. That we say, we don't worship money, we worship God. We give our money away to do that. So next steps, uh, what do we do with this? I think there's two basic things and, and practical steps I want us to walk away with as we end this series, and it's personal generosity and collective generosity. So personal generosity that we would give that you would give, um, that you would give to, to Phoenix Bible Church. We have those ways on the screen, I believe. You can give online. You can give on Sundays. You can set up recurring giving through your, um, just your uh, bank account and give by mail so that it just happens every month. That's, that's what we do. We give online. It's recurring. We don't even have to think about it. It's happening uh, whether we uh, have a good month or a bad month. And so I would encourage you 
to do that if you're not already. Where we are as a church right now, just to let you guys know, uh, is we are self-sustaining as a church. A little over a year in, we're self-sustaining. That's because you guys have been generous. That's because you guys have given. So thank you uh, for doing that. Thank you for being generous, sacrificing other things so that this church can be here proclaiming the gospel in Central Phoenix. There's equipment, supplies, workspace that we have because you guys have done that. And so thank you for doing that. Currently, I got some info from our financial team, uh, which, by the way, thank you guys. Uh, Cam Waters, who's worked heavily on our finances, the back end of everything, of getting people checks and, and making sure we're, we're doing this thing in a wise way financially. He's helped us significantly to do that in addition to his job and all those things. So thank Cam. Uh, thank you to Stephen Altmoreno, who leads our financial stewardship team back there, who counts the money in a room, makes sure it's all accounted for, makes sure it's done responsibly, and makes sure it gets to the bank, and all those things work well. There's people behind the scenes every Sunday that help us do this well. And so thank you guys for leading out in that. Where we are, just some, just some simple stats, is our baseline budget as a church, is $10,500. And listen, that's lean and mean. Um, if you came in late, just so you know, you didn't miss the fog machine, right? Like maybe you're thinking like, well, maybe we got some tricks. No, like you, you came in late, you didn't miss the fog machine, you didn't miss the light show. Like we don't have those things. We do this thing pretty lean and mean. And so we have a space to meet in. I'm on staff at the church so I can care for and help grow the church. We have some things that we do ministry-wise, but we try to do this thing pretty lean and mean with $10,500 a month. For a church our size, usually budgets are about $5,000 more a month than that as we look at sort of averages. But for us, we just wanted to stay lean and mean, especially in this first year as a new church, so that we could be good stewards of what God's given us. And so that's where we're at, and we're meeting that as a church. And so that's something to celebrate, that we're self-sustaining as a church. But we also have some external giving. And so... Again, story of how we started the church was kind of crazy, and just as a new church, we raised support. So I raised support. So there's other churches, uh, there's people, there's a network that gives to Phoenix Bible Church. Uh, and so when we talk about breaking even in our, in our baseline, our lean, mean budget, that doesn't include external giving. And the reason why we see it through that grid is because that external giving may not always be there, Right? And so we want to be self-sustaining. We want to be self-supportive as a church family because as we get older as a church, as we grow as a church, those gifts may go away. And so we don't want to count on those things. So we've been able to establish some reserves as a church to be wise with our finances uh, and have some excess in that way so that when things change or, or people move, that we are able to continue to do church the way we've done it. But we don't need to count on that external giving. It's a huge blessing. We just don't want to count on it. So with our internal giving, again, just another stat for you. Based on our average adult attendance, uh, about 50% of our people are participating in giving, which is great. But that also means about 50% of our people are not in any way. And so I would just ask that that change. <laughs> That people who are not giving, if you're here and you're saying, man, I've, I've come, I've benefited from this church, I consider this place my church home, that you would begin to get on this track, get on this journey to give something, to see God move this mission forth and to see us grow as a church. Because we want to grow. 
I talked about it earlier, but the people that, the names, the stories we, we don't know yet, that we want to see love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus, and we want to grow to see that happen. I, I imagine if you're here and you're bought into this thing, you want to grow, see that grow as well. And so we have amazing volunteers. I mentioned that earlier. We have a worship leader who does this as a volunteer. We have a kids ministry leader who does this as a volunteer. We have a guy who leads our community. He does that as a volunteer. And so we want to grow to be able to, to pay those guys so it will free up their time and their resources to give more to our church, to care for people, to grow this church and take next steps as a church. So we want to, uh, to get there. We meet in this facility, which is fantastic. We would love to have a sign. And so we're talking about just different businesses down this road where we can ask them, hey, can we put up a sign, like a permanent sign, not a billboard, right, but a sign that lets people know, hey, Phoenix Bible Church is in downtown Phoenix. This is where we plant our roots, and we're here to serve the community and lift high the name of Jesus. So we want to look at, at things like that. Uh, we would love to have, like I said, a, a communal space that we could meet in during the week. And we're not there yet, but we want to see it grow there eventually. And so that's kind of where we're trying to head and the ways we would like to see this grow. Uh, that's personally what we're asking of you. Collectively, as a church, we want to model that generosity. And so multiple people have given to us. We want to give that out to others. That works out locally but it also works out globally. And so locally, uh, that's Hope Women's Center, who we introduced you guys to a few weeks ago, Verde Park, which is in our backyard and serving this community. Um, an example of some of that, but also just some, some stuff our community groups did was uh, there's been a couple groups who have just put together out of their own will and volition, put together goodie bags to give to the homeless. And so little different things that will help the homeless in their area and community groups in our area did that to live out generosity. Uh, last week, Stephen Frankie and those guys led an event uh, where they had 60 homeless people come out for a banquet. Some of you guys participated in this. I think we had about 10 of our people there. And they gave blankets, they gave clothes, they gave food to people who don't have that stuff normally. About 60 people. One story uh, Stephen just shared with me is they were driving to this event and they pulled over at this guy walking down the street and just said, hey, you, you should come to this. Um, and the guy said he was on his way to get his drugs, but he decided to not do that and come to this. And he told them later, hey, you guys are the reason, today is the reason that I'm not back in prison because I've done that before. And so we're seeing this generosity lived out at a local level, and it's amazing to see, and we want to see that grow. So we have events lined up with Hope Women's Center to serve them and to do that well. And we also want to do this globally. Um, we also want to see churches planted and missionaries sent out. And so uh, as we talk about modeling generosity, that's our heart. We're not there yet, but we want to talk about what that looks like. And so Scott McGee, who has been in our church since the beginning, is kind of taking ownership of our global missions. And so I've asked him just to come up and just talk about what it looks like for our church to be generous in regard to what God is doing in the world. And so we're going to chat about that just for a minute to let you guys know where we are and where we want to be and we need stools. Because I'm old. Yeah, Scott needs a stool. I'm fine. I can stand up here all day. Uh, so, Scott, just tell us, uh, for those that don't know, tell us a little about who you are, why missions is a big deal for you. Uh, well, my name's Scott McGee. Um, missions for me has been in my DNA as a Christian since literally day one. Um, I actually went on a short-term mission trip as a non-Christian. 
because it was Belize, which is right on. Um, <laughs> and I had been there quite a bit scuba diving, so I thought, well, I can do that, right? So um, actually, I so I actually started this uh, this Christian journey at three o'clock in the morning in the middle of the Belizean rainforest. So. Um, so it sort of has always played a major role in my life. Um, I believe in it. God's put a passion in my heart for the people of the world. Um, I was baptized on a short-term mission trip to India in a river in India, awesome. which um, probably in hindsight, there was cows <laughs> upstream. Uh, Did you take a bath after show, yeah, <laughs> Probably should have thought through that a little bit better, but that was one of those spirit things. We just pulled the bus over and... Yeah. We just did that. Marty McIntyre actually is the one who baptized me. So for those of you who know Marty. Uh, and then probably the best part is I actually met my wife on a mission trip uh, to India. So, um, so missions has always been part of who I am. It's yeah. a passion that, that God's given me to the point where um, he actually pulled me out of, uh, I was an executive at one of America's largest corporations. And he pulled me out of that. And so now I, I do full-time work for a mission organization. And um, it's been such a huge, huge change in my, in my life. That's awesome. So as you look at our church, as we've had conversations and talked about this, where are we right now in regard to global missions? So you, well, in terms of global missions, um, we are in the process right now of evaluating uh, four or five different organizations. We want to, so Tim touched on, the local parts that we do. So there's Verde Park and Steve Frankie and, and his organization that reaches out to the inner city people here. There's a Hope Women's Center here in downtown Phoenix. We also partner with an organization called Converge um, that is a church planning organization and that's their sole focus is to plant churches. And so we give a portion of our, our overall operating budget to them. Um, just like we've been blessed by others, we wanna do the same thing. Uh, for other churches. But from a global perspective, you know, Acts 1-8 kind of calls us to do that, right? It said, it said, go into Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, so we're in this place where we're starting to evaluate uh, some global mission organizations that we want to partner with. And, and when we talk about partnering, we don't just mean we want to give. We truly want to become partners in the truest sense of the word, where it's, it's a mutually beneficial thing. Um, we support each other. We, we invest in time, money, resources, talents. Um, so the plan right now is to do sort of in stages. Um, for There are people who have are part of missions experienced, for lack of a better term. Um, but we want to do things that are more local, like a, like a Mexico trip. Uh, maybe something in Central America on this side of the of the of the world, quicker trips, easier to get to. Maybe not quite as much of a of a, an investment in time and 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 financial resources. So we certainly are looking at those organizations, but we're also looking at some what we consider um, deeper, longer term uh, or second tier trips, wherever that ends up being. It could be India. Uh, certainly, I have. I, I'm biased. So it could be India, it could be Africa, it could be Cambodia. I mean, who knows where that would go? But uh, there's about four or five organizations that we're going to be meeting with here relatively quickly. Uh, so our hope is that we'll have this program and start offering our first short-term mission trips uh, within the next year. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah so this is uh, – thank you, Scott, for, for sharing. Um, 
Scott has a passion for missions. We as a church have a passion for missions. And so he's taken ownership of like, hey, here's where we are, uh, which is something. Uh, but here's where we want to go, which is much greater. And so as you see the seeds planted and the harvest growing, we want to see that in our global reach. And so we want to see what that looks like. Because we're a new church, it's baby steps, right? And so we want to take a, a short-term trip. And so Scott and I have been talking of like, hey, let's find some options to do that and bring it before our leadership, get feedback, pray through that, and decide, hey, what's a short-term trip that as Phoenix Bible Church we can take and begin to take this step? As we do that, how can we give? How can we identify a missionary? Maybe it's a place we go. Maybe it's a connection we have, and, and we have a heart for those people, and, and how we can be involved in that in Next Steps as a church. We're not there yet, but we, that's where we want to go over this next year is to take small baby steps, whatever that can look like as a church. And so I would say pray with us, pray with Scott as we go through that process. We'll give you updates as we have them. Uh, we as a church want to model this generosity. And my heart and Scott's heart is not to wait till. Um, we're fully secure five years, 10, down, 10 years down the road, and then say, okay, now let's give back. We want to do it now. In whatever way we can, in a wise way, we want to do it now. And we want to ask people to be a part of that. And so be praying with us. I'm going to pray just to close out our sermon time, and we're going to sing songs and worship to God because he has been generous to us. I'm going to pray for Scott and just pray for our time. And if you would, join me in prayer now. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Uh, I thank you that... Um, that you have been generous with us. God, I thank you that you uh, showed us that through the cross. I thank you that um, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to doubt, that we can see it clearly in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray that we would feel that and receive that generosity this morning and that as we do that, we would, we would give it out and we would find ways to extend ourselves to do so. And so, God, I pray organizationally as a church we would do that. Um, locally, globally, I pray that we would do that as individuals to see you glorified, to see the edification of other people, and to see our own benefit when we live a generous life. So, Father, help us. We need that. Um, none of us have this figured out, so we'd ask that you grow our hearts even as we sing. If we're in a place that we're not generous, grow our hearts to be generous and, and help us to have those conversations of what that can look like for us as a church and for us personally. And so we pray for that. We thank you. We celebrate you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.